And then we had our first video and she just fell in love with the costume. I mean, she was, I don't know what she expected, but I don't think she expected to get this. And then we had made the cape extra long thinking like, well, we'll find out what the perfect medium is and we'll cut it. I'm like, I'm going to cut, cut like three, three feet of this off. And she's like, don't you dare. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Sax.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Art of Costume Podcast. I am your host, Spencer Williams, and thank you so much for joining me for another special episode. Hey, costume nerds. I hope everyone is doing well and staying dry. Yesterday, if you live in California, we had... (laughs) (laughs) quite the dramatic day. I mean, we had Hurricane Hillary sweep on through, which was, you know, interesting. I love a good storm, uh, which was then followed by an earthquake. I mean, what was going on yesterday? It was so wild. But, you know, it's been a while since we've spoken. Actually, Elizabeth and I haven't been in the studio for a little while now uh, during the WGA and SAG-AFTRA strikes. Uh, To say it's been a hard time for the industry would be an understatement. Uh, And we're still going to continue providing as much resources as possible to help others learn more about the strike efforts, how you can help, and especially where you can donate, such as the Entertainment Community Fund, which was set up to meet the needs of our entertainment community with a unique understanding of the challenges involved in a life in the arts. The episodes you've been hearing were pre-recorded, of course, before the strike, including the interview you're about to listen to. Uh, But with that being said, we have had some great conversations lately with some of you, the audience, as well as our friends and unions, and we recognize how important it is what we do at The Art of Costume, which is to highlight costume designers and their crew, talented people who often do not get the equity, wages, or credit that they deserve. So I'm happy to say that Elizabeth, Daniel, and I are getting back in the studio, actually starting, I think, this weekend to come back to you all with brand new to Art of Costume podcast episodes. Better yet, I'm happy to reveal what those upcoming episodes are. So first, next week on August 28th, we have one more pre-recorded interview I want to share with you all. Did you all see Beef with Ali Wong and Steven Yun? It is so good. The costumes are brilliant. Costume designer Helen Huang, who was just nominated for an Emmy, She will be joining me to discuss all of those costumes, so look out for that. After our beef episode, we will then have a week off with 
no new episode. But starting in September, September 12th, Elizabeth and I will be back for a brand new episode discussing the costumes of one of our favorite films. Probably the best way to celebrate our return than with the biggest party, Mama Mia. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's going to be so fun. We're getting ready to record it in just a few days, and I'm just so excited to get into all these costumes. You know, we saw costume designer Ann Roth and Barbie and Elizabeth and I just felt inspired to dive into the incredible career of Ann Roth. So I'm excited to get into all of that. And just so you know, there is a Barbie episode coming soon, but we're going to wait on that for a little while. The week after that, on September 19th, costume designer Tracy Gigi Field, my friend, will be here to talk about the costumes of one of my favorite shows, Poker Face. It is brilliant. You will fall in love with the show. Natasha Leone is so good in it. And the costumes are just top tier masterclass costumes. In the week following Poker Face, how many of you have seen The Righteous Gemstones? I love this show. I just binged all three seasons and it is so good. I cannot believe this show is not talked about more. The costumes are top tier. Sarah Trost did the costumes for seasons one and two. Masterclass costuming. Season three, on the other hand, just finished and it was such a great season. Costume designer Christina Flannery will be joining us to talk all about those costumes. You are going to love this interview. It is so fun. Righteous Gemstones, you gotta watch it. You will thank me later. <laughs> After that, we'll then be going into October, which is, of course, the beginning of our spooky season. And I am actually not going to share with you those episodes just yet. Uh, because I just want the spooky surprise of it all. But all I can say is this is probably going to be our best spooky season. And I can't imagine how we could ever top it. I mean, honestly, Elizabeth, Daniel and I are just so stoked about it. We have two amazing guests joining us in October. And it is going to be I mean, probably some of my favorite episodes we've ever done on a podcast. So be ready for that. So we have a lot of fun, exciting things coming down and I hope you will all join us, continue in your support. We appreciate all of you. We love you. And I'm just excited to get into more incredible costume design. So with that, let's get into today's interview. Today, we are, of course, talking all about Hocus Pocus 2. Such a fun film. I mean, how could you not love Hocus Pocus? It is just everything. <laughs> it's so colorful, so fun. The music's incredible. Of course, our Sanderson sisters are iconic, just as iconic in Hocus Pocus 2. I'm so excited to get into all these costumes. But first, we got to get into our summary. Hocus Pocus 2. It's been 29 years since someone lit the black flame candle and resurrected the 17th century Sanderson sisters. And they are looking for revenge. Now it's up to three high school students to stop the ravenous witches from wreaking a new kind of havoc on Salem before dawn on All Hallows' Eve. And that is Hocus Pocus 2. Diving behind the costumes, we have director Anne Fletcher and costume designer Salvador Perez. You will know Salvador from some of his work in Pitch Perfect, Never Have I Ever, The Mindy Project, for which he was nominated for an Emmy, Senior Year, the sex lives of college girls, and so much more. Such an incredible career. 
His most recent film was, of course, Hocus Pocus 2, for which he was nominated for a Costume Designers Guild Award, and now an Emmy in Outstanding Fantasy Sci-Fi Costumes. So well-deserved. Salvador Perez is someone who I've always wanted to interview. So when Hocus Pocus 2 dropped and he started racking in those nominations, I just knew this was finally my chance to talk to him and learn more about his career and his process. So please enjoy. episode is brought to you by sax.com at sax.com it's easy to find your new vibe dive into the western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott, or go full 90s throwback with platforms from prada you can shop for everything on your agenda whether it's a breezy zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright chloe blazer for brunch find inspiration for your new vibe every day at sax.com I am so pleased to welcome costume designer Salvador Perez. Hey, Salvador. Hi, how's it going? It's going so good. I'm so excited to finally talk to you. We were talking behind the scenes, but I run into you all the time, but I've never gone to actually do this, so I'm so excited. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Well, first, congratulations are in order. How does it feel to be nominated for this award by all your peers? It's it's so flattering. I mean, you know, you 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 do work and you do it for the fun of doing the work, but when your peers recognize it, it just, you know, it's icing on the cake. Right. <laughs> and with that, there's also more good news. I just found out that the Mindy project is now coming to Netflix, which is also pretty cool. A whole new generation of people get to see some of your famous work. Uh, Mindy called me around Christmas. She's like, they're gonna launch um relaunch mini project on, on Netflix and we and she took a big chunk of the archives of costumes. So we oh. went through the archives and she put on some of her old dresses to do the promo for the, the show coming out. So it's sort of nice to revisit old friends. Yeah, I love it. And so many more people are going to be able to watch the show now too, which is so exciting. So, you know. I actually binge watched it. I had a week <laughs> off and I watched the entire season. It took me a full week though, because, you know, nowadays you do a show and it's like eight, 10 episodes. We would do 24 or 26 episodes in a season. So that was a right. lot. <laughs> which I think Mindy Kaling is famous for talking about too, how she loves doing those 24 episodes compared to all these shows with the eight episodes. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, but it's time to talk about Hocus Pocus 2. I mean, I can't imagine the excitement you had when you realized that you're actually doing Hocus Pocus 2. I mean, just ground level, what was that feeling like? Well, the first emotion was excitement. And then the second one is horror. Like, oh my God, <laughs> what did I take on? I mean, look, it's an I Mary Vote. You know, you, we have to credit Mary Vote first and mm-hmm. foremost. The, the costumes are the original film. She set the, the groundwork for what I did. And when I got the call for the meeting, I'm like, well, why is it Mary Vote doing this? So, and I've been on the board for years with Mary. And so I called up Mary and I'm like, hey, Diva, what are you doing? And I'm like, that much. <laughs> like, like, I heard a little meeting. rumor. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I've got a meeting on Hocus Pocus 2. Are you are you doing this? I'm not going to interview against you. And she's like, oh, no, I'm, I'm not interested in doing that. You know, I don't want to repeat my work 30 years later. And uh, so she's like, so go, you know, by all means, to, you know, go take the meeting. Because I said, I, if I wasn't going to take a meeting, if I was an interview against her, because I go, well, that's just ridiculous. Right. <laughs> and then we also, she talked to, you know, a little bit about how she did the costumes back then. And, you know, what the technique she used. And so I sort of got a background in them. 
And then there's a million articles about her talking about it. So I knew the sort of background of the costumes. Um, and then I went into the meeting with that information and then having to, you know, and then there was a lot of edicts from the studio, like you can't change the concept of the costume, but we want them, we want them new and different, but you can't change them. I'm like, um, oh, okay. <laughs> and okay. so, you know, then, then, and the director, um, and Fletcher was like, everything has to have a meaning. You don't just arbitrarily put something on it. Let's have a meaning. And so we talked about like what the symbols were on the costumes and where everything had a meaning and where it came from. And like, you know, like the original um, costumes, Bet's costume, excuse me, Winifred's costume was uh, printed. There was a, a sort of a print technique. And I thought, well, it's 1650s. You know, we could have done lavish embroidery. And so I went and started investigating embroidery and found out how expensive it was. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> but then when I got the samples, I'm like, I don't care. I'm, it's so beautiful. I mean, like once they showed me the sample, um, Sylvia's costumes are the samples of them. I'm like, oh my God, this is stunning. Screw it. Spend the money. Right. It's Winifred um, Sanderson. So, yeah. you know. <laughs> and, and it was a multi-step process because, of course, it, beading is difficult. Beading on velvet is the most difficult thing you can ask for. I didn't know that at the time. <laughs> um, and so they said, we cannot. Normally, you do like a chalk pattern for the to, to mark the, the beading and then, you, and then you embroider it. But you can't do that on velvet. So, like, how do we mark all of this? And so then I went to Francina Coultra. And she's a silkscreen artist, and I know that she's printed on velvet before. So I'm like, can you do a very faint gold silkscreening on the fabric? And she's like, yes, we did experiments, and we kind of figured out a way to do it, because it was the only way to get the consistency on them. But it was like just the steps to get here. Like, we we didn't like, we couldn't do a dark, dark green. And so we did show bet samples, and she fell in love with this sort of like deep chartreuse. <laughs> and then we, so we bought a bright green velvet that we over-dyed chartreuse, and then it went to Francine and she silk screened it all. And then once and then once it was silk screened, we took it to another pattern maker who would thread mark the pattern pieces. And then it would go to Sylvia's. Sylvia would embroider this. And then this would go all to Western Costume and the Costume Shop Western Costume made it. And then it would come back to us. And then we would add the last bits of embellishment, crystals, and age it. So it was like the steps that it took to get there was months of work. Right. And I planned on making eight of each costume, but Bet's coats were so expensive. I could eke out seven. Um, and then it was just, it was like the details of finding all of the fabric. And like in the original costume, there was sort of like a chiffonny gauze in the sleeves. And then I found this last bolt, and there's no more in the world, of this purple and green iridescent silk chiffon at Mood. And they had two shades of it. And I said, well, let's use those two shades. And we have just enough to do the seven coats. Wow. But it was very sort of kismet in finding all of these fabrics. And that was just bet. And then, and of course, we had the, 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 the brooch remade. And the original brooch were two snakes going in the same direction. And the Libra and me, that drives me crazy. They should have been opposing direction. <laughs> so I went to a jeweler to have them made. And then I thought, well, why is it a snake? And then I wanted to give it a lore. So we came up with this, this brooch that's a moon, a star in the forest. And I wanted to, to hearken to the original, which had the Malachite stone. And even finding that Malachite stone is in the middle of the pandemic. Right. Well, we happened to be in Providence, Rhode Island, which back in the 60s and 70s, Providence, Rhode Island was a jewelry, the costume jewelry manufacturing hub of the United States. Wow. So there was a place that had old stones from the 60s and 70s. And I went in and I found the exact size malachite and the exact size I needed no way. for a dollar a piece. <laughs> oh, stop it. <laughs> so it was just like, it was very, there was a sort of like karmic universe, like 
putting things in front of me. And and that that so that brooch was there. And then we actually did two of them and we put the, we had the fitting with bed. She's like, it's just too bulky. I just want one. And I'm like, okay. And then you look at them like it makes sense. Like it it sort of organically became what it was. And if you just if you blink and see the move, you think it's the same costume. It's just the details are a little richer, a little more defined. Also, the patterns are all hearkened to the three moons, the three goddesses, and there's a symbolism in there and in, in the the details that tell the story of the witches. Wow, it's it's so beautiful, and I was blown away when I saw them. So then, my question to you, you know, we all love Mary Vote. It's iconic what she did. So then, when you're paying tribute to her costumes, how are you then adding your own, you know, Salvador Perez kind of style on these costumes without, you know, going too far away from what everyone loves, but also you still want to make it your own too? Well, yes. I mean, and that was the thing is that so changing the, you know, if the things that just sort of organically happen, like the color change, the the way I finished the the trim, the chiffons I used on it. Um, the fabrics I used, um, I having the knowledge of what Mary did and why she did it. Like when I asked her about what the symbolism meant, she's like, oh, we just made up things. Yeah. We don't want anything <laughs> negative. So we just sort of made up our own symbolism. I said, with that, and she didn't really give it any meaning. I thought, well, okay, what would I have done 30 years later? So I sort of put myself in her brain. It's like, well, if I had 30 years to think about the costume, what would I have done? So I'm like, that's what I was like. Well, I'm like, I can justify that these symbols had a meaning now. And also there's the fact that in the last movie, the witches disintegrated. Right. They went to purgatory and came back. So if their costumes disintegrated and they had to go to a tailor and say, make me new ones, would they be identical or would they be there remembering of what they were 30 years before? Oh, that's so interesting. <laughs> it's kind of a so mind explosion. Like, yeah, we sort of <laughs> rationalized like, well, remember, you saw them disappear. So their clothes disappeared because before they were resurrected from the dead. Right. And this time they disappeared. So that's, you know, I'm like, well, you know, you can, if you're, as long as it's a, it's a witch movie, so you can take any fantasy and make it a reality. Right. I mean, it's hocus pocus. No one's going right. to really dive too deep into the plot here. <laughs> and I have to say, like, when the, when the fans first saw glimpses of the costumes and it was like bad, blurry photos in the background, I, you know, I read the comments and it was pretty negative. I mean, people were just like, oh, how dare they change them and they don't look identical. And, and then, of course, once people saw the costumes on the film and they got to see the details, that their their attitudes changed. Right, like just give it like, a okay. second. <laughs> yeah, I'm like you said, let, wait till you see them and you see that I ha- they're like they look so cheap. I'm like, oh my god, do you have any idea what that embroidery cost? You could have bought a car. You could have bought a car for what that embroidery cost. And then you have to make multiples too. Right. What a nightmare. <laughs> and it was fun finding the workman to do it because it was like it was so many hands. Like it, you know, I couldn't just go to one place and have it all done. Like everything took many many hands right uh they're just so stunning i personally love um sarah's look the embroidery on her on her uh, corset is just so beautiful well and that you know again the original corset was made with you know store-bought embroidered fabric machine embroidered. <laughs> I thought, well, in, in the 1600s you would have had it embroidered per piece and so i went to eric winterlane and god bless eric has a phenomenal workroom he's amazing and, and i showed him sort of the samples of what i wanted and i found him a, a few original pieces from the 1600s and i'm like i love this embroidery and then we started working on a sample and he drew this out i'm like yes and then i said but you're what you're missing is add some spiders into it and that's remember this would be thorns it shouldn't be the, the original one was sort of pretty and floral i'm like no this has to be thorny and mean and mm. there should be spiders and bugs and so he sort of listened and there they are. And it's like, it had to be, you know, what would Sarah Sanderson have had made in the 1600s? Right. And I tried to stick to the colorways and, um, you know, look, this was the first one was done in the nineties. And so her sleeves were mesh. Of course they were mesh because that was popular in the nineties. Um, and, 
the the director was like, they should be sort of spiderwebby. I'm like, how can we make spiderwebs? So I called up my friend Krista Nitsy Knits, who's been knitting for me forever. Like all of Mindy Kaling's custom knits were done by Krista. Okay, like, shout Krista, out Krista. <laughs> is it possible to um, embroider uh, spiderwebs and make sleeves out of them? And so she's like, well, I'd have to do them by hand and then join them. And so she started doing them and she made me one sample and I loved it. Um, and I found this beautiful cashmere yarn. So <laughs> they're the most lavish sleeves ever because that was the thing is that we were shooting this in the dead of winter. Oh, wow. And I needed to keep the ladies warm. So, I mean, bet was easy because you could put thermals underneath that. Mary was easy. But poor Sarah had to have her arms exposed. So oh, I thought, man. at least cashmere, it'll be some semblance of warmth on her. And then she made me the first set. It was beautiful. And then she made three more sets and shipped them to us. And somehow in shipping, they disappeared. What? Yeah. So then she had to make, because we needed, I think I made 10 sets total. So she actually made 13 sets because three of them disappeared. So somewhere in the universe are three sets of these beautiful embroidered Someone's sleeves. walking around with Sarah Jessica Parker's sleeves right now. Yes. Probably listening to this too. Right. Like the, <laughs> ha, that's what they are. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love that. I mean, we could talk about these forever. But I also want to talk about young Sanderson sisters in Salem. So first of all, these actresses killed it. I mean, oh my God, incredible right? performances. Um, I love the through line you created between the younger sisters and the sisters we know, you know, now. Um, what was your kind of inspiration? Did you do any research into like, you know, the Salem witch trials? We did. We did research on the period and and looked at original pieces, and there wasn't a lot of color. And so part of the note from the, from our director Anne Fletcher was that it should be very sort of drab and not full of color, but she wanted the girls to hearken to the to the witches they are now. So I thought, let me use the darkest version of the color because you figure there's berries and roots and grass and you can dye almost anything with natural fibers. So I went, so, you know, Winnie is in green, um, Sarah's in purple and, and Mary's in, in dark burgundy. I wanted to hearken to the colors they wear as adults. And then she said that the most recognizable thing of them is their hair. Mm-hmm. Like that was the one thing that could not change from the original movie was their hair. So their hair is exactly, almost exactly the same. Right. And then she's like, it would be possible to make Mary have a hat with a little twirl. <laughs> like, well, why not? And so we sort of had fun with it. And then there's a really funny beat where, where Winifred's um, cap has the double bubble. Like yes. hair. wanted. <laughs> We, they were supposed to like take off the thing and the hair was supposed to pop. Um, and we did it, but they didn't use it in the film. But I, I subtly used their colors to sort of hearken to who they are as adults. And right. it was fun to play with that. And I love the caps. And the, and the colors were subtle. Like there's, you can't, you can barely tell they're gray. I think if you didn't know those colors, you would think they were browns. Yeah, it's perfect. I love Mary's little um, baker hat. <laughs> it's just, it's immediate laughs. It was such great nostalgia for, you know, someone like me who I grew up watching Hocus Pocus every single October. So seeing this, it was just such a huge smile. Likewise, I mean, that's, I think that was one of the reasons that I had such an affinity for someone as I've been watching since I was a kid myself. So I really sort of knew the characters backwards and forwards. Right. <laughs> you, you were not going to mess this up. You were excited. <laughs> um, now we meet the new characters, our teenagers, Becca, Izzy, and Cassie. They are the teenagers who show a lot of similarities to the sisters. And you can see a lot of that in their costumes. I mean, it's it's a little bit of a nod to each of the sisters. I mean, it, it was it was it's not on per- it's not by accident. It was on purpose. Right. Um, <laughs> again, with Ann and Lynn, our director and producer, we're like, you know, let's sort of, you know, hearken them to the originals. But it has to be very subtle that it's not in your face. And I'm like, OK, well, let's make it as subtle as possible. So you see Becca is in um, the Burgundies. Um, Izzy is in, in, in greens and purples and Cassie's in the pinks and lavenders. 
Um, and they have that you see them at school in one outfit and you see them at, in that afternoon in more sort of play clothes. But I want them to be very subtly the witches. And so obviously, look, there's the plaid from from uh, Mary's uh, skirt on her on her on her coat, the red hooded coat. And then when we were dressing um, Cassie for her pajama scene, we found that great tie dye T-shirt. I'm like, oh, my God, it's Max. Right. And then once we put, we put it with um, <laughs> uh, a. Uh, cardigan then you get um allison so i was like i just wanted to sort of like put these little subtle bits in there that i thought that the true fans would get and the people who are new to this wouldn't you know they think it was cool on its own so they had to live on their own but i wanted to hearken back to it right it's so cool and i love the story too of mary used to talk about um the tie-dye shirt also originally being you know and encompassing all the colors of the Sanderson sisters too. So it's like this really cool cycle that, that you're now a part of and it's so fun. And then I do think it's subtle. I think it's just that we're all costume nerds and, you know, we picked up on it pretty quickly. I think it's awesome. Well, it's funny because when I first, because I did a lot of posts on Instagram about this and when I talked about it, people were like, oh my God, I never noticed that. So I love that. I love the people, you know, like there are people like you who got it instantly and there are people who are like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, no, that's the fun part of learning about it, going back, watching it year after year and being like, oh, I didn't know if that is me plaid you know <laughs> um, one thing that i always love about hocus pocus is the massive halloween scenes i mean how did you pull all these little halloween costumes together sounds like the perfect beautiful nightmare it's it's literally the perfect beautiful nightmare i mean i have to uh, thank my friends at the halloween costume association um who hooked me up with several brands who like gave us product because we couldn't use anything licensed like oh, I right. could not use even I could not use Disney characters. I couldn't have um oh interesting. Uh, no white. I couldn't use any Disney characters, and I couldn't obviously use any licensed products, which are like Marvel costumes. Right. Uh, so they had to be non 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 specific costumes. Wow. But not I even needed, Disney. That's crazy. No, and I also needed a thousand of them because we would have <laughs> crowd scenes, and you couldn't reuse the costumes. So I probably had twelve hundred costumes. Wow. And we bought some, we made a bunch of stuff in the office. We, we just sort of like made like, cause it had to look, we had to be loving hands at home too, because people make their own costumes. Um, and then we had to make ve various versions of the Sanderson sisters for the Sanderson sister Halloween con costume contest. And thinking about that, the fact that the, um, the audience who was making these costumes had never seen them. They had mm. heard about them. So they were making their versions of the costumes based on what they had heard, not what they had seen. Because they <laughs> saw them had been had been uh, hypnotized. And so nobody had seen them except for the little except for Gilbert. Oh wow. Interesting. Yeah, because then it would have been very cosplay-like. So they're all making right. their own various uh versions. I also did notice uh, the Supremes and a potential Madonna walking around. No, and that was also again, I mean, <laughs> I wanted to again hearken to I, all, all respect has to go to 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 Mary Vote, who designed the original film and really sort of set my groundwork for this. And she found those costumes at stock at because she has she says she, she ran out of money by the time they got to the costume party. She used all the stock from, from ABC Costumes. So did I. Right. So when, when I went to go pull at ABC Costumes, ironically, we found pieces of the original costumes in stock there. That's crazy. That's how long clothes have been at ABC Costumes. So I'm sure a few of the pieces I used, because we dressed the background with, with ABC Costumes, right. were used in the original film. They're like, oh man, Hocus Pocus is coming again. Right. <laughs> uh, um, I watched RuPaul's Drag Race pretty religiously. I was so stoked to see Ginger Minj, Kimora Hall, Cornbread in the movie. What was it like working for these fabulous divas? 
you you know these ladies all have very unique measurements right <laughs> um, and god bless um both cornbread and ginger had a full size chart on their bodies with their padding nice um but we had three days to make these costumes what okay three days that's not cool um so you know because i had all the fabrics i had pulled the fabrics in advance knowing they'd be coming but i didn't if we have sizes and so we had three days to get to get them together they arrived we were supposed to fit them and then ginger got a positive covid test oh it's false positive but then that stopped the fitting so then we had to wait overnight to, to get a redo positive so then we then after having three days to make them i had a day and a half to finish them oh gosh and i have to give credit to my crew um mariah mccormick jana acevedo and then Harper Della Piana, who's local to, to Providence, Harper made Winifred uh, and Mariah made the other two. We, they were made in days. I mean, and the fit on these is fucking amazing. I, excuse me. These, the fit on these is great. And they came out this, and you know, my only disappointment is that we, they didn't get more screen time because they are pretty fabulous. Right. But they make use of every single moment they're on camera. <laughs> so I've always imagined that designing a costume for Doug Jones is probably like the costume designer's dream. So when he got to work on Billy Butcherson, I mean. Well, and that was the one costume that I, I thought shouldn't change because unlike the witches who disintegrated and were brought back, he was put into the grave exactly like he was in the last movie and came back up. Right. Years later. <laughs> so I didn't think I had any artistic license to change any of this. And I was able to go to one of the producers has an, the, the Billy costume in his house. And I went to his house and saw the original costume and got to be able to look at the details of how it was made and what the understructure of it was. And we would only ever see it destroyed, but I had to make it clean first and then destroy it afterwards. So I love that you can see, because that's 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 um, Doug, and then that's his stunt double, who's the headless version, which is a tiny, tiny woman. <laughs> um, and, then, and the thing is that you can see that her, you, they have to be the same shoulder height, but the arm's eye on the coat is like 12 inches lower than it should be because what are technically his elbows are her arms doing this. Oh, interesting. So they have this massive um, arms eye and she's got a contraption on that's like giving her shoulders. And so we built it over that. <laughs> and then I had to put a little bit of mesh in there so she could see out of it. Um, and here's a little trick that you might not notice in the original movie. The lace on Doug's um, uh, Jabot is the same lace as Winifred's sleeves. Just lace, oh, Winifred's wow. is dyed purple. And his and his was left cream. Well, I'm like, well, I'm not going to cheat that way. And I found this really beautiful French Chantilly lace at Mood for a lot of money, <laughs> but it was in the weirdest, like baby puce pale green. Like the like, I understand why nobody ever bought it because it was so ugly. But for us, it was perfect because <laughs> we were going to destroy it. And then you have to like, you know, we had to make four of these because we made two for Doug and two for the stunt woman. And they had to then be aged and destroyed. And we spent more time aging them than we spent making them because the aging process was so far. And the first, my first uh, age of dyer on it just made them too black and you couldn't see any details. So then we had to then strip all the black off and then redoing them, which was great because then they got a next, another layer of aging. Um, and then when Doug put it on, he's like, he thought he was wearing the original costume. I'm like, no, Doug, he said, no, I just made these for you. I mean, wow. the fact that Doug thought it was original costume was the perfect, you know. Right. It doesn't get better than that. If I could convince him as original when it was perfect. Yeah. I mean, that's that's pretty hard to do. And you would think like, he's such a you, costume you, guy. You can see the stripes in this in the vest. Yeah. The original fabric had a one-on-one -on -one stripe. I couldn't find anything like that. But at Western Costume in their fabric room, they had one with the, the distance between the stripes is four inches. 
So I made my poor cutter fitter take the fabric, <laughs> cut it up, and resew it so that the stripes were close. <laughs> I'm sure they love that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, because we had to take like 10 yards of fabric and make it into four. <laughs> right. But it, on camera, it's the, you know, it, it my, I wanted the audience to think that it was the exact same coats. Yeah. I mean, to me, it that's exactly what I thought. It just felt like, because you're right, he was just stuffed right back in the ground. So why would it change too much, you know? Um, but still, you could tell that the textiles were just so lovely. Um, and I want to touch it. It looks so great. <laughs> well, they're, they're, they were pretty grimy. But and that, that was... That I mean, You're like, you actually don't want to touch it. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're kind of... Like, we were like telling them, like, get dressed, but don't sit in there. Don't sit down. Uh, like, don't sit in your trailer because you're going to get that gunk. Oh, everywhere. no. <laughs> um, I love the mini Veep reunion that was happening in Hocus Pocus, too. <laughs> I'm a big Veep fan. So I was so excited to see Tony Hale... And uh, Sam Richardson as Gilbert. Um, I, and it's funny is I had just finished because I just designed senior year. I, I went from senior year to Hocus Pocus. Right. Uh, and Sam was in both. So luckily I'm like, I already have his measurements. Go ahead. Hire him. Right. <laughs> that worked out perfectly. Yeah. Like don't even consider it anyone else. And um, getting to make that costume because like we, we uh, she's like, I want him. The, he was supposed to be dressed as a little wizard. When you see him as a little boy and i found this like cheap costume you know um from like you know part of the party city right. that we destroyed and made it look because she's like he's been wearing that costume for years so we had to make it look old and worn and then i thought as a little boy who's been obsessed with this he would make his modern day costume the fabulous version of the one he wore as a child mm -hmm. so his little wizard costume as a child is now this is the more elaborate hand dyed and and if you look at that velvet you might recognize that velvet because we used that technique on Stargate on Raw's costume in okay. 1993. And so my dyer, Celia Sedwick, I called her, I'm like, how did you do that? And she told me the process. So then I bought the chemical. It's a, it's a procyon dye process. And I told my kind of fitter, I'm like, this is how we're going to do this. And so we then dyed the velvet specifically for this. But I remember that. I love that sort of texture and the modeledness of it on, on Stargate. And so we used it on this. And then I was shopping down in, in New York City and I found all the stars and I'm like, ooh, more sparkle. And so it was just sort of like came together beautifully. Um, and then the vest is made out of Thai fabric. I got a mood fabric in New York also. Oh, okay. Yeah, I could see it's all, that. It's all custom. I love his style, actually. It, I kind of felt like, I don't do I see a little bit of Salvador Perez a little bit in his style? Well, like slightly? <laughs> I mean, there's always going to be a purple sparkly costume in one of my movies. Right. Um, that's, you know, and you know, you know how much I love mixing prints. So like even finding right. that tie to go with that, that, you know, the vest combo was, you know, fun. Because, you know, I'm, I, I paint with textures and I just love this on him. And then for Tony Hale, like um, we, she's like, I wanted, she wanted him to be very um halloweeny but like and so we did many i mean there's probably 30 versions of this <laughs> and the fact that she chose the director just she's just trying to crack it up she's like that's hysterical i'm like oh my god it's so obnoxious she's like that's why i love it yeah he's the ultimate dad yeah <laughs> and then i found those uh those uh pumpkin pants from his castaway they always do like an embroidered holiday pant and I at home have the the green ones with the, with the candy canes. <laughs> when I found the pumpkin version of this, and Tony was just so up to anything. Because in the original script, he was dressed as his ancestor. So we were going to see him twice mm -hmm. as, the, as a reverend. And so I was going to do two different versions of it. And then she's like, no, it'll be funnier. If you, you know, Because then it was like too obvious that there's the reverend. And so they like, no. but we was fun to dress him in this and then also as a reverend in a flashback. 
I think it's so funny because you see him as this like evil guy in the beginning. You automatically don't like him and then it switches and now it's like the goofy, fun dad, Tony Hale. I just thought it was so hilarious. (laughs) Tony Hale was just a dream to work with. I mean, he's just the loveliest human being. Like if anybody gets a chance to work with Tony Hale, jump at it. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, but then we have to talk about Hannah Waddingham as (laughs) the witch mother. I mean, I remember when you posted the first picture and I was like, yes, I'm I'm down (laughs) because I love her <laughs> this was so much fun i mean like how often in your life do you get to create a disney villain right um, and you know yes it's a little bit hokey but that's a disney villain they're supposed to be hokey i wasn't you know i wanted it to hearken to because i wanted her to be the inspiration for winnie so winnie's costume is more medieval than 16th century mm-hmm. um, and so i wanted this to have that sort of the same idea and you can't use any animal product on a Disney movie. You can't use leather. You can't use feathers. <laughs> like what? Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I had to make our own feathers. And so I had seen um, um, Matthew Bourne's Swan Lake and the swans in Swan Lake are made with shredded chiffon. Okay. The feathers are shredded chiffon. So I went to Mariah. I'm like, how can we do this with shredded? Like, what, what do we? And so we wanted to, and I, and I had made their, the capes out of hobbitite because that was the one thing I took from Mary Vote. It was like the hobbitite has moved beautifully in the wind. And so we had some of that. We started, started playing with it. And Mariah came up with a technique where she sort of shredded it. And then we would play with it. And it gave you that sort of willowy feather effect of it. Um, and, and then did you know she was going to be flying around before this? Or yes, did that kind yes. of happen after? Effect? No, no, no okay. we knew that. because And that was the thing is that at one point, they're like, we're going to need two dresses. I'm like, oh, my God. But, you know, <laughs> we got her. I mean, God bless. I had gotten her measurements. And then she arrived about a week before shooting. And then she had to go to something in New York. I'm like, ah, you're coming to me first. And then you can go to New York. And God bless you. Did. <laughs> and then we had our first video and she just fell in love with the costume. I mean, she was, I don't know what she expected, but I don't think she expected to get this. And then we had made the cape extra long thinking like, well, we'll find out what the perfect medium is and we'll cut it. I'm like, I'm going to cut, cut like three, of the, three feet of this off. And she's like, don't you dare. <laughs> in her fittings. And I, I wish I could show that because there's no makeup. So I won't do it. But the fitting, she was just playing and working that cape. And I'm like, Okay, I'm not worried about her. I'm like, you know, you're going to be in the forest. She's like, I'm out. And you see her. And my God, she just worked that cape throughout the scene and just twirled. And, oh, and it was yeah. so much fun. But then they decided that they, they were going to harness her. And so we had to put holes into this one single dress. Oh, no. To let her fly. So that we had to, but luckily, the way Mariah did it, because it's ruched, I wanted the dress to look like it was sort of like made on her and it was peeling apart. And, that, and, and then, the same uh, Sylvia's costumes who did the embroidery for Winifred did the embroidery on the eye and you don't get to see it much, but on her sleeves are the same symbols that Winifred has on her coat. And then the brooch she has is the same brooch as Winifred's, but I plucked out the Malachite and I put in a carnelian. Oh, I love that. And also the colors kind of reminded me of some other characters too. (laughs) And that was not on purpose. It's sort of like after we put it all together, because we were we had made because there's one scene where we had to dress Allison, Max, and Danny for a flashback scene when, when little little Gilbert's watching them. So we had to reproduce the costumes. So this is all in the mannequin, and I'm like, oh my god, it made that Danny. Oh, and then my <laughs> my sister's like, nobody's gonna notice, and I'm like, yes, they are. But like the fact that, like even down to the sun on Danny and I. It was a karmic. It was like I didn't. That was That's not so my funny. Intention. It wasn't on purpose. It was not my intention. It That's just wild. sort of happened organically. <laughs> I love that. You're like, um, oh, <laughs> like did I? And then you're just. And my hesitation was like, did I? Do I need to change this? And and I'm glad I didn't because the fans loved it so much. But 
I'm a firm believer in continuity in the universe and the universe wanted this to exist. So mm-hmm. I was guided by, you know, the universe on this. Oh, it was flawless. I can't imagine it any other way now. And uh, it's, this is my favorite costume by far from the entire movie. I just, you can tell <laughs> that she's loving it when she's wearing this gown. It's yeah, and so she's, good. She's raved about the costume because she was there for two days. Um, you know, she spent more time with me than she did on camera, but we, and we were <laughs> yeah. friends and she sends me lovely messages, but she <laughs> loved this. And I really hope that Disney does an origin story because she needs her own film. Oh yeah. 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 She was taking it up. It was so good. All right, so you're working on Hocus Pocus 2. That means you have to work with Bette Midler, Sarah Jessica Parker, Kathy Najimy. I mean, what was that cloud of process like? I imagine it must be, I would be a little intimidated, but... I was very intimidated. And also because I know that Bette Midler is 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 infamous for having great relationships with her costume right. designers. It's Bette Midler. Yeah, it's Bette Midler. <laughs> she loves costumes. And I think she was like, who is this kid? <laughs> and, you know, unlike you and I who watched the movie 40 times in our lifetime, yeah, she right. in 25 years. Oh, wow. So what I brought and I found, like I said, I had some of the original pieces and I had tons of research photos and I had, I had archive photos from the studio. I hadn't got to see the actual costumes before when I started, which I'm kind of good because I'm, I'm glad I hadn't had the real ones at hand because mm-hmm. I made decisions based on memory and, and concept as opposed to what was in my hand. Um, like the fabrics on her... Uh, her underdress are, are washed silk dupioni. The original one was just a sort of a, a rayon crepe. Um, I'm glad I went with a more lavish fabric. But like, for instance, she wears the striped tights and then she has an orange underskirt. And she's like, what? I, I never wore that. I'm like, yes, you did. She's like, no, no, I didn't. And then I would take the movie, <laughs> fast forward it to where she's on stage. Lifts up. She's like, oh. Uh, so I, at first she was like, this is wrong. I never wore that. And then she was like, oh, you really know your details. Yeah, pull out the DVD player. Yeah. Let's and go. by the end of it, you know, she still to this day, like, you know, when I said we got a nomination, she's like, Woo-wee. you know, she's just, we, you know, we we stay in contact. Um, you know, all three of the ladies have just been so lovely. Sarah was in the middle of shooting and just like that. So she couldn't come to fittings. So oh. I would take the train from Providence up to New York and meet her at her house. And we'd go up to her bathroom in her house and have the fittings in her house. So she was just lovely. And I think that was, you know, you're you're going to an actor and like, I'm going to remake the costume you wore 30 years ago. And I had conversations with him. Like, you know, the one thing that that uh, Kathy said was like, the costume was just so heavy and it was uncomfortable. Right. And I have a bad back. And, you know, I just, I can't, the costume has to be lighter. And so I made, I, I went into this trying to make them better for them. Um, and then look, you know, Sarah was 25 when she wore the first one. And so she had a lot of <laughs> cleavage and now she's a more mature woman and might not want as much cleavage. Right. So it was like, we just sort of made adjustments so that they were comfortable in the costumes. Um, and, and again, with Sarah, she put the costume on and just immediately started twirling and twirling it. Oh. And you see that she's constantly twirling on camera. So she wanted to know that she had that movement and that freedom in it. And I think that was the thing is that whenever all three of them put the costumes on, they immediately started to move like their characters would. Like Kathy did her hunch over thing. And Bet was very, you know, her. that's why there's so many <laughs> layers on her sleeves because Bet's like always doing this. Right. And it was, they immediately, even though they hadn't played the characters in 30 years, immediately went back into their characters in the movements. And it was all really not just about what the costume looked like, but what it moved, how, how the movement was and what they could do with it. And then of course there was the details. I mean, Sarah was again, as she was the first person to see the embroidery and she's like oh my god this bodice is amazing and <laughs> she loved the cashmere sleeves and you know it was her and when we first made them they were a little short on her i'm like oh i'm sorry i'll make them longer she's like no don't you dare she's like i like them short it makes my arms look longer and so it was you know it was just details like how did they feel in it and so all of that was about keeping them happy and making them feel comfortable in them 
I think this really like talks to the beauty and reason why we love costume design too, right? Is because it really makes these uh, actors feel like they're becoming the character again. Like they're seeing themselves in that character just by putting on that costume, you know, and twirling around in it, feeling the lightness of it, the feeling of the fabrics. I mean, that's why I love costume design. And the special thing about this photo is that this was our, because, you know, we had Kathy and Bette together beforehand for flying tests and costume tests. This is the first day Sarah was on set. So this was the first time the three of them had been all been in costume in 29 years. Wow. I, I've just got chills, actually. I can't imagine that moment. <laughs> and here's another little note. The first time that Bette was in her costume and makeup was on my birthday of the year of the film. Oh, and yes. we were supposed to have dinner that night and we were ended up shooting until 11. I was like, oh, we're sorry. About you. I'm like, are you kidding? I got to yeah. hang out with Bette Midler as we're just as Winifred in my costume. <laughs> I had the best birthday ever. Yeah, so actually, this so is many, exactly how it should have been. Yeah, these, there were so many magical moments on this. And it's not me as a costume designer, but as a fan and and as, as, a, as, a, as a huge fan of these three ladies. But being able to work with them and, and collaborate at this level was just, you can't, you know, like, look, if it's the last design job I ever get, I can go out. I had a great time. <laughs> well, that brings me to my last question. You know, you're now part of the Hocus Pocus legacy. I mean, what did this project mean to you professionally, personally? You kind of just touched on it, but. I mean, I, you know, like the fact, look, I just got an, a, a Costume Designers Guild Award nomination for this film. It's the, my first nomination in 25 years. Wow. <laughs> so I think that it, you know, I've always, I think I've been a fairly well-respected costume designer, but for my peers to sort of acknowledge uh, my design work on this really, you know, it, it, it's, it's very sad. And I think that's the thing is that the notes that I've gotten from fellow costume designers have, you know, because you're, you, you go into this, like, look, this can go either one of two ways. They're either going to love it or they're going to hate it. <laughs> right. <laughs> How dare you change something that's so iconic. But I think that people see that I really put a lot of love and respect into Mary's costumes going forward with this. I did not want to completely, you know, change the colors or change the silhouettes. I wanted to honor Mary's contribution, but in my own way, make it my own um, and make it, you know, what if, if I had done something 30 years ago and now, what would I have done differently? And I think that this is what Mary would have done 30 years later. <laughs> I mean, I think you nailed it right on the head, Salvador Perez. It's been such an honor having you here. I love talking about this film. I think you did such an incredible job. And this nomination is so well-deserved. I appreciate that. The Art of Costume Blogcast is hosted and produced by Elizabeth Joy Glass and Spencer Williams. Our audio engineering and editing is done by Dan White. Follow us on Instagram at The Art of Costume Pod or visit theartofcostumeblogcast.com for all blogcast updates. If you want to support the show, go to theartofcostume.com slash podstore. For more costume reviews, deep dives, and interviews, head over to theartofcostume.com, a blog dedicated to highlighting the best in costume design. 